Shankly Kids. I heard a copy calling. Hello and welcome to the Cop Table Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Phillips. Tonight we are previewing the Sunderland versus Liverpool game up at the Stadium of Light on on Monday. On tonight's show we have Michael Bowers. He's part of the Roker Report podcast. Thank you very much for joining us on the show tonight, Michael. Hello there, Peter. Thank you very much for having me on. You're Looking very forward welcome. To it. And on the Liverpool side of things tonight, once again, we have Craig Hegarty. Craig is a UEFA B qualified coach, making, I think it's his third appearance on the Cop Table podcast. So great to have you back on the show again, Craig. Thanks, Pete. Hi, Michael. Nice to meet you. Pleasure, man. Pleasure. Good stuff. Okay, we're going to start off with yourself, Michael, talking about Sunderland. The guy, Papi Gilabodji, I think you pronounce his name, been left out of the Senegal squad. That's being announced today. How much of a boost is that to uh, Sunderland and David Moyes? It's a good boost because because I've been out all day, so I've literally just that's the first I've heard of it. But that's right. one less one less player going, especially with Corney and um, and Dunga in. I think it is a good boost because he's had a, he had a shaky start um, at the start of the season because he just kept on trying to take people on inside his own third, where any good, good no nonsense centre half knows just clear danger. And recently, his performances have improved massively. He's looking like a player that. You can see why Chelsea would have had him at their ranks in the first place and that we've paid £8 million for him. But yeah, to answer your question, I think that is a good boost for Monday, especially considering you know you probably know from the outside our season's been laden with injuries, like a ridiculously catastrophic level, so good boost. Yeah, and staying on the injury front, um, Jordan Pickford, your goalkeeper, who's, who's had a very good season up to now from what I, what I can gather, picked up another long-term injury for you guys. How much is that going to affect the squad and who's going to come in to, to replace him? The obvious tech contentions, Vito Minone, have think to replace him. Um, I do think it's a blow that Pickford's been out because I think he has been outstanding this season. I think him and Jermaine Defoe and to an extent Victor and Ichibi have been the, the standouts. But some of the saves been made on his own has earned us enough points. But I do think Minone is more than good enough to cover for Pickford because he's proved it in the past. He's proved it when he's been here. What This is now his fourth season here or something. Um, you know, he's proved he's good enough. But yeah, I mean, on the injury front, yeah, it's another player out for a couple of months that we really could do without. We've only just got one of your old boys back, Fabio Barini, a couple of weeks ago from injury. And then you've had about five other players drop down like flies. So it's not what we could do. It is we could really do without it, especially that we're not going to spend much money, in, if any, in the January transfer window as well. So not ideal, <laughs> to say the least. No, it's not ideal for my fantasy football team either because he was my goalkeeper and he's been uh, picking me up quite a few points each week with the saves he makes. He always gets that bonus point. So, yeah, bit of a bit of a blow to my team as well there. Okay then, over to yourself then, Craig. Jurgen Klopp done an interview today in the, the Liverpool Echo and saying that basically he's not happy that many teams are playing against Liverpool are just sitting back and, and defending. What's your uh, opinion on that and what can Jurgen do tactical wise to counteract that sort of tactic against us it's, it's wrong because if, if when when Liverpool are playing the way they are at the minute it, it doesn't make sense for a team of sort of lesser ability to come out and attack them because they've just they get counter-attacked and they get ripped to shreds and you've seen it in matches previously so far this season the teams have been able to or have tried to attack Liverpool and haven't it hasn't ended well for them and then you've seen teams that have sat in the likes of Burnley who did it and teams that have done that and Sunderland when they came to Anfield they did it and you know it took 75 minutes for Liverpool to break them down I think the only thing Liverpool can do is get better at it get better breaking sides down get 
you know, you need to develop a certain degree of patience. And as a fan as well, you know, you need to develop that patience. You're not going to blow a team away in the first 10, 15 minutes every single week. And I think that's something that we need to get used to. And I think sort of the players went through a phase there where they were used to scoring in games pretty early, maybe in the first and then you know pushing on from them whereas some teams will sit back and they'll absorb pressure for 90 minutes they'll do their best to do so and sometimes you just have to play that and you know we have played a lot of football this season and a lot of matches that have been in our opponent's half for nearly 45 minutes you know and it's a good thing but at the same time it's frustrating because I can see where coming from you know it is it's not ideal you know if you're a Burnley fan or a Sunderland fan you don't want to watch your team go and defend for 90 minutes but at the same time you want points more important than lovely pretty performances so you need points in the table at the end of the day that's what football is about and I think teams are going about it in in the right way to a certain point but it is refreshing to see a team attack Liverpool you know stoked in it for a while in the match there during the week and they ended up getting beat 4-1 but the goal a lot of the goals well two of the goals maybe three of the goals were essentially preventable from Stoke's Stoke's part you know it was poor defending but I think that's down to Liverpool's relentless pressure. Like I said, you know, if you develop this degree of patience, you're playing, you know, eventually a chance will come and it's just about getting the right person on the end of it to take it. And fortunately enough, Liverpool have been have been lucky so far this season to a certain degree and have, they have broke teams down eventually. So, you know, it's just teams, it's their way of counteracting how we are playing. You know, you need to adjust to your opponent. So that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, and... Obviously, this game that against Sunderland, it's, it's going to be less than 48 hours after the Manchester City game, which we are yep. recording before that game's taking place. So, what's your firstly, what's your take on the, the recovery time available to Liverpool? And do you think Klopp will... Do you think you'll see many changes in personnel from the team that plays against Manchester City? It, it really depends how the City match goes. You know, if the City match goes well and we're 3-0 up with 25 minutes to go, you can see him taking off players, you know, you can see him taking off Firmino, you can see him taking off Lani and stuff and resting players, but I don't know, you know, there was so much made at the start of the season of these intense pre-seasons and three sessions for six weeks and stuff like that, and this is the time of year where it's going to tell, you know, essentially it's going to be games in 48 hours or just under 48 hours, so the recovery is going to be really, really important. I would like to see two strong, strong lineups, but, you know, that's not possibly not possible, but it will completely depend on how the City game goes for us and that'll depend on the lineup for the Sunderland game you know because you could pick up injuries you could pick up whatever so it's really a case of you know if Lovren gets booked here I think he's all right isn't he actually because the the yellow cards will go to 10 from the 1st of January so he should be okay but you know there is still a possibility of suspensions red cards and things like that so I don't want to see a weakened team but I think there could well be a few changes. You know, like if when Yaldum starts against Man City here, I think Emery Chan could possibly start against Sunderland. Or I think Sturridge will get a few more minutes now. You know, I think Shea Yojo could maybe come back into the fold if he's ready. Marco Grouge could maybe come back in if he's ready. But at the same time, you can't underestimate Sunderland, especially not the stadium of light. You know, it's going to be a very, very tough game. There's no point going and beating City 3-0 and winning that match and then going and losing 2-0 to Sunderland. Do you know what I mean? So it's really a case of managing managing it well and it'll be a test of Klopp and it'll be a test of the players as well so yeah it's 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 set up to be a, a cracking game isn't it on um on New Year's Eve against Manchester City under the lights at Anfield yeah it's going to be Definitely. a it's going to be a bit of a ding-dong battle but also Sunderland have got a, a big game t- tomorrow isn't it Michael against Burnley 
Yes, you're correct. I'm going to that game. At Turf Moor, yeah. What's your thoughts on that game? Is this, this going to be another battle royale and whoever wins this game, do you think it's going to go a long way towards the fight for Premiership survival? Um, I think if Burnley beat us, it would go a long way because they would then have six points clear of us. It is. And if they beat us, they're nine points behind Burnley. Now, no disrespect to Burnley, but from a Sunderland fan's perspective, that's atrocious. If we go nine points behind Burnley, that's very poor. Although I, I was one of the few people that backed Burnley to stay up at the start of the season. But yeah, I think if we beat Burnley, it's it's massively back on. Three points can be overturned. And obviously a draw, it's not great, but it's be, it, we're far better off going there. And we need to go there and get something. I was just touching on M, M. Craig's point earlier, saying like under not underestimating Sunderland. Well, I'm, it's refreshing to hear an fans say that because I feel like a lot of fans have just looked at Sunderland and just going, oh, this is going to be an easy three points. And well, you've obviously got far superior players to us and far superior talent, except that I don't like it when teams think they can just come to the stadium and help themselves. You know what I mean? I just, oh, just quiet in the crowd for 20 minutes, go 2-0 up and that's it, game's over. Yeah, you know, and I think, like you know, and, and it's ridiculous because, I mean, even if you look at Leicester, Leicester won the league last year and I don't know if you probably won't have watched any of the, much of the game other than highlights. When Leicester came up the stadium light, we ripped them to shreds first 25 yeah, minutes. You did, you did. We, we sh- it, we been, how we went 2-3-0 up in that, I really do not have a clue. And we won three out of our last four at home and the team we lost to was a team you probably you probably could have done with us getting something against for years. But, um, <laughs> with Chelsea. But, I mean, like I said, Burnley, I think we said before Man United, you know, Man United, Burnley and Liverpool, the ones Burnley. That's the one that we're going to have to go there and target results in um i mean man united liverpool i mean we didn't get anything at man united although i didn't watch the game but apparently we were unlucky from what people have been telling us i would be disappointed as we're at home not to get anything but i'm not expecting a result if that makes any sense yeah but, but i mean recently apart from swansea where it annoys me that we lost three nil to that side how we like apart from losing three nil to swansea we've won the games that we've desperately needed to so i'm so naturally we're probably going to lose two three nil to burnley so that's what i'm expecting yeah, well, we'll keep be keeping a, a close eye on that game tomorrow ourselves. Um, Michael, I'd just like to ask you about Jermaine Defoe. He's been linked with a move away from Sunderland in the, the January transfer mm. window with, with him being linked to West Ham. And I think he's come out today and said something like um, he's, I don't know what the exact phrase he used, but he he wasn't like sort of ruling out any move to, to West Ham. Do you think that's something that could happen in, in January? If we are serious about staying in the Premier League, the answer should be no. But as far as I'm concerned, I mean, if I would not be surprised if Jermaine Defoe did leave in some respects, because I think ultimately his heart is with London. He's come from London. He's most of his career in the Premier League, if I'm correct, apart from maybe Portsmouth has been based in London. And I think I don't know if he's got any sort of, I think, didn't he, didn't he start his career at West Ham? Or didn't he early on his career, he was at West Ham for yeah. a good period. So I think that wouldn't surprise me. But if Sunderland do sell Jermaine Defoe, then we might as well just hold our hands up and say we're in the championship next season. And I, and it, and, it, and there will be a backlash from supporters if Defoe's sold or if Defoe leaves. So I don't know. It just depends. And I think, I think coupled with the fact we haven't got any money to spend in January doesn't help. But if Defoe leaves, then there's only one. It'll, it'll be a disastrous state towards relegation. Yeah, I think um, David Moyes has actually come out today and, and, and sort of um, rubbished any move for for Jermaine Defoe. Obviously, he's very important to to the Sunderland cause. But if he was to move on, who do you think Sunderland would be looking to replace him with? Would you have any targets in mind at all? 
it's a hard one that because again we won't have much money to spend and we, I mean apparently we can't even afford to bring in a player in on a free because we're close to the wage bill although if Defoe did leave that would be a huge chunk of the wage bill gone but it just depends could you replace the goals that Defoe gives you if you're going to have to ask realistically it would probably be someone like Britta Sombolonga from Forest. but is he ready to step up to the Premier League but at the same time if you're not given a chance you're never going to know if they're good enough I don't know that's a really tough question if Defoe did leave then well one player who I was really desperate to sign before Palace got him was Ben Teke actually in the summer I was and I know obviously we were never going to pay 30 million pound whatever it was you were asking for him but he is the he but at the time we had I mean even that right compliment to fall if we had him you no know, he would have been the perfect type of player good in the air good from headers scores goals can bring others into play as well you know it doesn't Jurgen Klopp style but for someone like Sunderland who will play long ball more so than whatever Liverpool will do it, he would have been perfect but I couldn't answer your question. Um, I wish I really wish I knew what the answer was. Unless you've got any strikers that you um, aren't using at the minute, and we could do it loaning for six months. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, just actually, uh, just reading a, a little article actually on your your guys' page, the Roker Report, and the quote from Jermaine Defoe actually says it. He says it's a good feeling to be wanted, but when you're playing well and scoring goals, then you must be enjoying being at the place you're at already. And David Moyes stated that. Defoe would not be for sale for any price. So West Ham may come knocking, but it looks like um, they'll be the door will be closed on them. But elsewhere in the January transfer window, can you see David Moyes adding to his squad at all, Michael? And if he does, what sort of positions would he be looking to add to? That for me would entirely depend on um, who we sell. Um, I mean, yeah, you guys probably have, have probably. Have- in the summer, we had Lamine Corney, who had that ridiculous transfer saga to a uh, potential move to Everton. Mm. I think apparently some journalist up here said there was a release clause of 25 million there. It depends. If I mean, one thing I would have said about Pickford being injured is the fact he, pro- he obviously he won't leave in January now because no one's going to pay a load of money for an injured goalkeeper. But um, in terms of positions to strengthen, if Corney, for example, did go, which I wouldn't be surprised by, he would probably look to bring in a couple of centre-halves. I think he'd probably look to bring in at least another full-back because I think we are light. I think... I think Billy Jones and Van Aanholt have done all right um, in those positions, but we kind of want to see an improvement because um, Van Aanholt's good going forward, for example, as you know, typical modern-day fullback, probably like Moreno for you guys, good going forward, but defensively very suspect, um, although he hasn't proved recently, to be fair. I think one thing we are desperately missing is a creative midfield player, someone who can drive the midfield 10 yards, further 10 yards up the pitch and get get goals and help us contribute towards assisting goals. Um, but like I said, that all depends on if we sell money to buy, if we sell to buy, and that's the only way we're going to sell players, because otherwise, the best we could probably do is sign a couple of cheap freebies for cover, or if they're thrown in the team, hope they're good enough. So it all depends. I'm hoping we get players, but it's not looking good at the minute. And sell Kone and take a punt on Sacco, who's currently rotten under 23s. Yeah, when we sure. linked with when we linked with him in the summer on loan. Yep. Yeah, Klopp doesn't want them, and I mean, he said himself he wants to stay in the Premier League, so it could be an idea. Yeah, for somebody, a club like Sunderland or a club like West Brom or something who have been linked to him to maybe try and take a punt on a six-month loan deal in January because he would be a hell of a signing for a club like Sunderland. Well, exactly. And I think that... And they say if Sacco did join us for six months and we were relegated, well, that's not going to affect him because he's going to be at Liverpool next season. Yeah. It doesn't... It doesn't it, it's over him. It's like, uh, keep Sunderland up and you earn a decent name for yourself there and you, you'll be and you'll, and you'll be all better off at Liverpool. And if you go get relegated, well, you're not going to be there next season anyway. So... Yeah. But it's the wages, isn't it? Though that's the problem. We're not yeah. very, we're very tight on the wage bill. Not going to be able to get anyone with a massive amount of wages unless someone with a big amount of wages goes. Kasri's another one. He's rotten on our 
I mean, I like David Moyes a lot. I really think he'll do well for Sunderland long term, regardless of what happens this season. But I do not get why he isn't playing Wabi Kazri. Because, I mean, I don't know if you've watched him that much, but he's a very he's, he's good with the ball. His set pieces are good. He's good going forward. And unlike Adelaide, for instance, although Yanazai's got quality, Kazri actually has the work rate and tracks back. Again, in a team like Sunderland, you are going to need grafters and battlers like that, especially in the position that we're in. Yeah, it's interesting you should mention Mamadou Sacco, but apparently um, there's been a few clubs in, inquired about him in Liverpool. One, one quite a hefty loan fee. I don't know if you've heard that, Craig. And um, like Michael said, if he does impress on loan and then comes back to Liverpool, he's totally burnt his bridges, as far as I can tell, with, with Liverpool and Jurgen yeah. Klopp. And he'd yeah. just be basically putting himself in the in the transfer window for for the summer. Mm-hmm. Because he's yep. he's playing for the under twenty threes, but he's not getting much um, he's not getting much exposure by doing that, is he? And if he no, goes out no, to someone, hurt his own career. Yeah, if he goes out to another team in the Premier League and perhaps takes a little bit of a cut in wages and puts himself back out there, then he could have a future elsewhere. But at Liverpool, I think it's um, I think the writing's on the wall already, and he's he's yes. been told, hasn't he, that he's yep. he's no longer part of Jurgen Klopp's clubs. Uh, mm. Which is a shame, really, because he, he did actually do quite well, but it's just all it all unraveled for him, didn't it? After he yeah, really quite failed drugs test and things like that. I thought he looked quite good for years under Brendan Rodgers a couple of years ago, but but yeah. I didn't watch as job years what you obviously would have done. But I, I thought he looked quite decent for years. But I think even if he did come on loan to, let's say hypothetically, some and set Pony and and try to bring in Sacco on loan, there might be an agreement where you might pay some of his wages and we pay some of his wages. Because Coney, yeah. Coney won't. I bet you Coney won't be on pittance at Sunderland. He'll be on a pretty hefty contract, especially since we just gave him one, gave him a new one a few weeks ago. I mean, look, Coney's performances have improved recently, but is that not him just trying to play for a move? So yeah, yeah, quite possibly. That's the and it upsets me to think that way, but it just goes to show. I just, I just goes to show how everything could go wrong because the second half of last season, he looked a top class centre back. But I think, I think Kabul going has affected him in some ways. I think he was a big leader. Um, although him and Dilaborgi, to be fair, recently have looked have looked much better as a partnership. And you fit in theory on the type of players: strong, tall, heads the ball, can head the ball away and do basic things. But Sacco, I think, could fit into us if we did. But like I said, is, is, is he st- is, so he hasn't played a first team appearance for Liverpool this season. Nope. Oh, no, since the pre-season tour when he with his antics there wasn't it, Craig? He didn't. He failed to turn up for a for a squad meeting. I think he was late for the plane. Yeah. Going out there, he was at a yeah. party in Liverpool. He he gate crashed one of Jurgen Klopp's interviews, didn't he? Which didn't go down pretty well. Mm-hmm. Which was actually being filmed for mm-hmm. LFC TV. So there's yeah. just that many black marks against his name at the moment that it's it's, it's not looking good for Mamadou. Anyway. Craig, moving on to the Liverpool January transfer window. Obviously, it looks now like Lucas Leiva is going to be going out to join Inter Milan yeah, in the loan one. deal. Yeah, what's what's your thoughts on that? Disappointed to be honest. Like Lucas has been become part of the part of the framework at Liverpool. You know, he's been there for ten years and he's always gave a hundred percent. His career at Liverpool started horrendously. You know, everybody wanted rid of him after a season, and he grew and grew and grew into a real leader in the team and a real sort of fixture. I'm surprised Klopp's letting him go because his versatility has been something that's been used this season. He's played centre-half whenever we've needed him to. He's played in centre-midfield whenever he needed to. And Klopp seems to like him. You know, He has respect of the players around him. People know he's a senior player in the dressing room. And it's... I don't know. I don't I don't really see the, the logic. Lucas has requested a move because obviously he wants to play some football, which is completely... You know, it's fair enough. He's not going to be going out to Inter Milan for money. So... That's it. I can, I can see him... Request 
moved to play football, which is completely fine. If that's what he wants to do, that's fine. It's disappointing from a Liverpool fan's perspective that he's leaving. But at the same time, you're losing. You know, who who do we? And we have Kevin Stewart, who can you know fill in at centre midfield if he's needed to. Marco Grudge can fill in centre midfield if he's needed to. So we've enough there. But it's centre half. You know, if Matip this injury keeps prolonging on Matip and. We have Lovren in there and Clavan in there who are playing well together and you know, long may that continue. But then where do we go from centre half, you know, from then if Lucas isn't there, you know, he's not gonna bring Sacco back into the fold. So it'd be interesting to see. It's sad to see if Lucas does go, but you know, who do we bring in? We need defensive cover then if he goes because like you said, you know, there's not very many who can play in both positions. You know, you're not gonna get many centre halves who can play hold in midfield as well. So it's a strange one, but like I said, unless Lucas has requested the move any reason for Klopp sort of trying to push him out because I don't think he would. Yeah, I think it's just with the fact as well that Joe Gomez is now returning to fitness yeah. isn't he? and he's likely to be the, the fourth choice centre-back which Lucas is at the moment which pushes him down that pecking order a little bit further. Yeah, I suppose that's um, true. And with the centre midfield positions basically all filled up with Henderson, Chan, with Aldum um, and maybe Kevin Stewart knocking on the, the door. I don't know if you've seen that little Twitter um, clip of him scoring that goal from oh, training yesterday. What a strike. I didn't know he had. Oh, I tell you what, if you get a chance to have a look at it, Michael, check it out because it, it's an unbelievable strike. It's like film from above the training pitch, isn't it? And yeah. he takes it on the chest, on his head, and left foot volley from about 25 yards into the to the top corner of the goal. It's it's a fantastic strike if you get the chance to have a look at that. But yeah, um, yeah Craig, on the other side of the coin, tra- incoming transfers, do you see Jurgen Klopp going into the transfer market? And if so, what sort of positions do you see him adding to the squad? Um, no, I don't see him really. I, I can't really see him going no. dipping into the transfer market. No, because even with the Klopp's fact not that Mane's going to be going away and things I like know. that, Mane's going to be gone for the guts of a month, maybe six weeks. But Klopp's not the type of player to there for six weeks. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he brought Stephen Culker in last year, and that was just uh, it was the strangest transfer Liverpool have ever done. I think <laughs> you know he came in, he played up front more than he played centre. But yeah. I can't see Klopp repeating that. You know, I can't see him bringing anybody in on the emergency cover or anything like that, unless anything happens in January. You know, unless we get somebody with a career or the season-ending injury, then I can see him dipping in. But I can't. See, you know, who's going to be available in January? You know, no club wants to disassemble their squad in the middle of the season. So I can see him wait for the summer and then probably bringing a couple of faces in. But I can't see too much in January unless somebody that he wants suddenly becomes available. You know, if I yeah. was Klopp, I possibly be looking at Kondogbe at Inter Milan who's not getting on and if Lucas is going out there maybe he'll play there and there could be some sort of sweetener in the deal if we loan you Lucas you loan us Kondogbe or again Gabriel who's sitting he's played like three times for Inter Milan he's brought in for big money in the summer and he's not fitting in but we're linked to all these players you know we're linked to Hesse from PSG who was signed from Real Madrid who's not fitting in we're looking Pulisic who's playing every week for Dortmund at the minute you know we're linked to all these players but we don't need them. You know, Mane is going to be gone for six weeks. Yes, that's going to happen. But we've had Coutinho, or we've met Coutinho now for about four or five weeks. So he's going to come back in. And if you can keep Origi fit, Sturridge fit, Firmino fit, Coutinho fit, you know, that's as good a front four in the league as we're going to be able to buy to replace any of them anyway. Do you know what I mean? So And then you're going to have the likes of Shea Ojo possibly coming back. You're going to have Harry Wilson from the under-23s, the captain there. He's playing. So there's players there. There's depth in the youth it's just whether or not we can get through that first sort of month in January without any injuries if we can get through that then we should be fine with Manny coming back but I can't see him signing anybody 
unless we get a big injury. You know, the likes of Firmino or Lallana or or Origi or somebody gets injured and is going to be out for the rest of the season. I can possibly see a six-month loan deal for somebody, but in all honesty, no, I can't see him dipping into the market. It wouldn't wouldn't make much sense for you, would it, just to try and, like you said, just to try and get a player for six weeks because then you've got got someone on the wage bill, even if they're not going to contribute. Exactly. But I mean, I mean, Marnie missing will be a big blow for you because I think he's been—he's obviously been one of the players of the season so far. Um, but even so, I mean, have, have you got any massive title challenging fixtures in January? Have you got any massive big fixtures? We play Manchester United, we, we play. and we've got the two semi-finals against Southampton. Mm. So, in, in my personal opinion, I think it's a—it's a very big risk for, for Jurgen Klopp not to go into the transfer market yep. if he picks up another injury. But he's lightweight. Really off. You know what I mean. The thing is, the, the I know the we had the guy. Um, I don't know if you listened to the podcast, uh, Craig. We had Arta Petrosian, who's the yeah. uh, uh, journalist out in Russia, and he said that Liverpool have scouted heavily um, Quincy Promes from I think it's Spartak Moscow, mm-hmm. and he's he's been um, heavily linked with us this week. And he's a friend of Wijnaldum's. He's one player. I don't know too much about him. Obviously, only seen the little clips of him on the um, the internet and stuff. But apparently, he's got a very good goal scoring record out in Russia at the moment. And yeah, he scored a lot of goals out there. He's one of the. He's obviously a Dutch lad, so he's playing in Europe a lot more than he would out in Russia. So he's one for me who, who catches the eye really, and he's he's one that wouldn't be a short term fix. He'd be brought in in January with a view to a long term uh, future at the club. But yeah. Other than him, uh, but I do think it's a risk that Klopp doesn't bring anyone in in January, and that's just my personal opinion. I think we we should go into the market and we should be looking to bring at least one, if not two, players in just to boost that squad. Because also, if you look at the substitutes bench against West Ham the other week, we had Woodburn, Alexander, Ajari, yeah. um, Avaria, or and and players like that. Where West Ham are bringing Andy Carroll off, off the bench, which um, I know was a strange one for the Liverpool bench, and we had Alberto Moreno and somebody else. So I just think he just does need that one or two more quality players just to come into the squad and um, and boost it a little bit. Also, another guy that was linked from um, Russia, Craig is is it no sorry Osman. No, no, from yeah, he's another one who we've scouted heavily. But uh, the guy that Arta mentioned is a Brazilian lad from Santos, centre midfield player. It was linked with a move to Zenit, I think, and um, he's refused to go there by all accounts. Maya, isn't that's that? the one? That, yeah, yeah. Which, I think he's going to go to PSG, to be honest. Yeah, because yeah, that would be I ideal think. to replace Lucas with an, another up and coming defensive centre midfield yeah. player. If that's what he is, I don't know too much about him. It's just Arta had mentioned that Liverpool had looked at him. He's a good player, so he is, you know. Hmm. Be interested. I'd be fantastic if we could get him. You know, we are. There is rumours going around that we are keen on him, and again, he's not going to be a stopgap. So you know, that would be a good signing. You know, he's only nineteen, so it'd, it'd be very, very good player. I'd love to have him in. He's a very, very good midfielder. You know, he loves, he loves getting forward, but at the same time, he knows how to control the tempo of a game. So he would be a very good signing. Zenit at the minute are the only team to make an offer, but. As far as I know, their 18 million was rejected. So it'll right. be interesting to see. But I, I, I think he's mentioned in the past his love for Paris and his love for PSG. So I would say they'll be in the market in January because they've had a pretty shocking start to the season by all accounts of their standards. So um, I would love to see him at Liverpool. I really would. I would really, you know, I could draw up a list. I could rhyme off 10 names here of players that I would love to see at Liverpool. But I can't see January being the time to go and get them is my only concern. You know, the last time we had a really... Really, January was probably when we signed Suarez. There are the, you do sometimes get lucky in the January market. There's no, you know, there's no disputing that we signed Luis Suarez in the January market. But we also signed 
Oh, yeah, storage. So, yeah, we signed storage I mean, as well in January. I mean, one thing I do think that you do have going for him, and look at the league table now, you're in the top four going at the January transfer window. That, that's going to be a huge plus, I think, because you're in the mix to try and... I mean, what is he? Only six points behind Chelsea. You're still going to have them to play. You're going to be comfortably in the top four at the... Well, OK, I say comfortably, the gap's four points, but you're in the top four, you're in the mix for Champions League football. And especially with Jürgen Klopp, players are going to look at Liverpool and think... They're going to be, I've seen what they're like this season. They're in the top four. They're in the hunt for the title. They've got a, a cup semi-final to play, you know, and could go to Wembley short, within a month of signing for the club. So that there's a, yeah. you've got a good advantage there to try and attract players in. Whereas someone like Man United, for example, I think would find it a lot more difficult to try and attract players because I'm sure you, much to your, your um, pleasures. Um, Man United, you know, obviously they're in nowhere near as good a position as you are at the minute. And you look, you, your football's looking good as well. I hear you, you know, you're looking like a real prospect at the moment. Can I ask yeah. you one question, actually, just out of interest? Go on, Michael. Yeah. What What has happened to Simon Mignolet? Because your goalkeeping, I'm interested in your goalkeeping situation. Because is it that Carius, um, mm-hmm. please, if I say his name wrong, apparently he's been making a good few few um, sloppy errors, but Mignolet is not getting into the picture. I'm just curious about what Liverpool's fans' perception of Mignolet has happened since he's left Sunderland. If I can go first, Craig, if you don't mind. Yep, go ahead. Yeah, um, well, this season, yeah, Loris Cardi... Uh, Simon Mignolet actually started in goal against Arsenal and then a couple of games because Carius actually had a broken hand in pre-season. Mm. Mignolet came in, um, done a decent job. In my opinion, was unfairly dropped. Loris Carius came in and didn't pull up any trees for me. He's, he's looked shaky at best. He made a lot of mistakes. Obviously, the Bournemouth fixture away. He's, he's cost us a couple of goals there. Then against West Ham, he, he basically stood next to his post and Left the goal open for Payet to just slot a free kick, free kick, sorry, straight into the back of the net. After that game, there was all the commotion, wasn't there, with Gary Neville and, and Jurgen Klopp going on yeah, about Carrius. And after that, Carrius was dropped. Mignolet was brought back in. Went up to Middlesbrough, made his first appearance back into the team, made a cracking save from, I think it was Negredo or someone like that. Didn't do nothing wrong in the game. Kicking was good. Played in the next game. He was the one after that, Craig. He kept a clean sheet again, didn't he? Yeah, he kept a clean sheet against Middlesbrough. He kept a clean sheet again. And then he just conceded there. Yeah, exactly. He's conceded against Stoke, which was... He, a little bit of criticism could have been levelled at him. But it's the ball's cut. The cross has come in, hasn't it? And it's been, it's been a good header. And it's probably took him a little bit by surprise. Yeah, it's, I don't think Walters had any right to win the header, which is, I think was the problem. Yeah, you know, so I don't, I don't think any, any fingers can be blamed at Simon Mindley. No. My, my opinion is, of the two goalkeepers, Mignolet is, is the better of the two keepers, although they're both not world-class goalkeepers. Simon Mignolet is the better keeper for me. And he, he's a safer pair of hands. And Jurgen Klopp was right. I was on, on Twitter myself saying I got to bring him back. Even before, even after Carius was brought into the team, I said to Graham Kelly on an earlier podcast, is it right for Liverpool to go with Carius at this point of, of the season? Is it is it too much of a risk to play, put a player in who's got no Premier League experience? He, he never earned his place into the team. And basically, that's what's happened. He, he he didn't earn his place and he didn't do anything to keep his place. So, yeah, in my opinion, it, he was rightly um, dropped from the team. And mm. uh, hopefully, he will come back as a stronger goalkeeper, no doubt about it. But at this moment in time, it's Simon Mignolet for me all day. Don't know, go on. Do you want to add to that, Craig? Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I think Simon Mignolet deserved to be in the team at the minute. I think Carius is brought in, you know, with no doubt to, to be the number one. It hasn't started too well for him, but. At the same time, you know, he's a young keeper, but he was voted the second best keeper in the Bundesliga here behind Manuel Neuer. 
You know what I mean? There's not many keepers in the world or up there or better than Manuel Neuer. So to get that feat in Germany with the likes of Bernd Leno and other keepers who are really, really good, to get the feat of second to only Neuer is a hell of an achievement. So, you know, he obviously has ability. Um, I think his distribution and stuff is something the club likes. You know, he likes to get the ball down quick and move it out so we can play yeah, out of the no defence. Yeah, but distribution at all. Yeah, he, like but, yeah, he's, he's good at that. It's again, the keeper's, keeper's job at the end of the day is to keep the ball out of the net. And he, he didn't do that when he was playing. So I think it was probably the right decision to drop him and take him out of the firing line for a while. I don't agree with all the rash criticism of him about it was his fault for this, it was his fault for that. Yes, he should have done better with a couple of efforts of Bournemouth game but I view the game in a way that it should never have got to that stage you know what I mean so it shouldn't he shouldn't have been in the situation to make those mistakes and yes he did make the mistake it did cost his points but at the same time before that shot the commitment Nathan Ake tapped in after he spilled it out the situation should have been prevented there was phases of play before that that Liverpool didn't defend and they could have prevented that happening altogether but when it did happen he made the mistake so yes he has cost us points in that situation against West Ham. You were right. You know, I thought he was probably probably a yard too far to his left when he should have been more over. You know, yeah. And that then meant that he was only able to get a fingertip on the pie at free kick instead of a full hand and keep it out. These are learning curves, though. You know, I I want Carius to be back in the team and be playing very very well, but I don't want them to walk back in the team at the same time. You know, I don't want Mignolet to have to make a mistake to get it out. But I would love Carius to you know come in for a cup game, be playing really well in training, and Klopp firing back in, and then he could show what he can really do because he's a very very good keeper. I think nerves got the better of him. Mean, he obviously has this confidence that he exudes from himself that everybody thinks he's very full of himself. Uh, mm-hmm. I think when it came down to it, it showed that his mentality was quite. Well. So it'll be a case of it'll test his character. You know, you see when De Gea came in, and, and everybody keeps comparing him with De Gea, and I'm not comparing him with De Gea as such. I'm comparing him with the situation. Yeah. Uh, De Gea came in as a young keeper over to England started really poorly Fergie managed him quite well took him out of the firing line brought Lindegaard in and done nets and chopped and changed him and then they settled and I would like to see something similar happen here you know I'd love to see Carlos become our number one but he has to earn it you know it's the same in any position in the field you have to earn your right to get back in you know if we go and beat City 4-0 tomorrow and go and beat Sunderland 3-0 does Felipe continue automatically deserve to walk back in no he no. doesn't but he might get back in because Mane will be gone, but at the same time, he doesn't deserve to do it. So he has to earn his right to get back in. Mignolet is a good keeper. Mignolet, you know, I hate this phrase that he's a good shot stopper because that's like saying Jordan Henderson's a good kicker. Do you know what I mean? It, it, <laughs> that's his job is to stop the ball. It's everything else. You know, you have to command your penalty area. You have to come for crosses. You have to distribute the ball well. It's a whole pack being a goalkeeper. I want Mignolet to stand next, to be honest. I was just curious and now sorry well thank you very much for answering the question I was just curious because because I've seen some some the whole fans obviously criticise Sam Ringley over the last couple of seasons and while I can you know I think I, I really rate Ringley a lot I just think because in his last season when he was with us before he got the move to Liverpool he was I'm going to put my statement here he was the reason we stayed up that season he was, yeah, the, he was very very good that year he the amount of points that he kept on um, saving on his own when we had a poor, poor defence in front of him yeah. It was just it was just incredible. I me. Mean, now I was just saying because I, I was saying to a few guys for a laugh that if you were looking for a long term goalkeeper, you could have Jordan Pickford for like thirty million. We'll have Mignolet back, but <laughs> that but then we'll probably be in the championship. So it doesn't really matter. I was just curious on how Mignolet had what Mignolet, what Mignolet, your opinion was on Mignolet. So, but no, I, cheers, guys. I appreciate you answering. Yeah, the question. yeah. No, thanks for the question. It's um, it's a good one for the for us to answer as well. Okay, then lads, what we're going to do now is head over to the quiz part of the show. Five questions each. 
While Sunderland are the home side in this fixture, Michael will go first. Okay then, first question for yourself, Michael. This season, who has the most league goals for Sunderland from Paddy McNair, Patrick Van Aarholt or Fabio Barini? So is it Paddy McNair, Patrick Van Aanholt, Fabio Barini? Um, I'm going to say it's Patrick Van Aanholt. I don't it's a good answer, mate, yeah. He's got three goals. Barini's got the one, and McNair hasn't actually scored in the Premier League. His no, goals no. was in the League Cup, I think, weren't he? Yeah, he scored twice at QPR, but if I remember correctly, yeah, he, hasn't, he hasn't played that much in the league, to be fair. Remember what a player. A couple of what months. a player. Love Paddy. <laughs> <laughs> Long time. seen too much of him yeah. myself, to be fair. Yeah, but yeah, Van Arnold. Right. That's one to Michael. Okay, Craig, your first yep. question is... Who has scored the most goals, league goals this season for Liverpool from Jorginho Wijnaldum, Dejan Lovren or Emre Chan? Emre Chan is the correct answer. He's got three and Lovren two, Wijnaldum with just the one goal. Okay, he was on that we burst, didn't he, where he scored three goals in four games or something like that? Is that, is that Chan? Yeah, Chan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, guys. If, if you have any, if you have any players busting for a goal, Sunderland's the perfect opposition. To, <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> right. Yeah, what Alden could do with a couple more. Second question for yourself, Michael. Right. Who has made the most starts for Sunderland in the league this season? From Jason Denier, Duncan Watmore, or Papi? Gilabodji. I'm a, I don't think the first two have started. Well, actually, what no, more was starting quite a bit, but it was before his injury, to be fair. Oh, I'll, I'll go neck and say Gilabodji. I think he's been quite regular over the last few months with the perception of one game where I, th- I think it was at your place he was suspended, actually. I'm going to go Gilabodji. Knows his stuff. Two out of two. Yep, Gilabodji. 13 starts. What more? 11. Jason Danaya. Nine. Second, uh, yeah, second question for you Craig is who has made the most starts in the league this season for Liverpool from Lucas Leiva Divock Origi or Ragnar Klavan oh I'm going to say Origi it's actually Ragnar Klavan he's got ah. six starts Origi five and Lucas has made just the three I thought I thought Origi had more appearances than that like yeah, yeah, it, yeah he has made well, more. It's just the, the actual games, starts. Yeah, starting oh. games. Yeah. I was surprised when you said Dene Deny for a started nine. I was like, nine stars with Neer. Isn't he on loan from City? Yeah, he is. Mm, thought yeah, so. He's been playing a guy. Yeah, he, 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 he had a yeah. decent game oh. around fielding. He, he, he's, I think he didn't he um, his job was to man Mark Coutinho in that game apparently but then once the system changed when Coutinho went off we struggled because Origi's a different type of player obviously. Yeah, no, I switched over. He's been in old midfield recently, so... All right, interesting. Okay, then, third question for you, Michael, is... Right. From which club did Sunderland sign Didier Ndong? It was FC Lorient, I believe. The same one we got Corny from in January. That's another good answer. Three out of three. Well done. Cheers. Okay, then, Craig to get back it to uh, 3 2. Hmm. From which <laughs> club did Liverpool sign Divock Origi? Uh, was it Lille? Was it Lille? 
Um, let me reset now just they process the French L's. Lille or Laurent. <laughs> no, Lille. It was Lille, wasn't it? Because it was around the same time Joe Coleman died to Lille as well. You going for Lille? Yeah, I'm going for Lille. Yeah, that's the correct answer. 3-2. <laughs> See, there's Lille and Laurent and Lons, and there's so many L's in France. That's yeah, it. there is. Loads of them. Right then, fourth question for Michael. Which international team does Lamine Kone represent? The same one as Yaya Torev, I believe. Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast is another good answer. Four out of four. genius. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, just, I'm sad, that's why I know these answers. Stitch me up, Pete. I'm so sad. <laughs> right, on same lines, international teams. Craig, which international team does Liverpool central defender Ragnar Klavan represent? Estonia. Estonia is the right answer. Three, four, three at the moment. Ooh. Right. Get us, he wins. Tricky one, this uh, last question each for you, so could get a chance to get back to draw for the tiebreaker question. We'll see about that, Craig. Okay, Michael, here's your fifth and final question. Overall, in all competitions, sorry, who has the most yellow cards for Sunderland from Jack Rodwell, Didier Ndong, or Billy Jones? So, the most yellow cards this season out of those three. So is it from Diddy, Jack Rodwell, Diddy and Dong, Billy Jones? Well, that is a hard one. Oh. I'm going to go Diddy and Dong because I'm sure and Dong was suspended for the Chelsea game. Correct answer, mate. Five out of five. Well done. Jeez. Four yellow cards. It was close. Billy Jones, three. And uh, Jack Rodwell with two. So, yeah, you've took the, uh, the quiz. But I will ask you your... Final question, Craig, oh, to make it 5-4 if possible. Yeah, similar lines. Most yellow cards for Liverpool this season. All competitions from Sadio Mane, Ragnar Klavan or Dejan Lovren. Oh, it's bound to be Lovren, isn't it? Has to be. Lovren? Yeah. Four. Mane, two. Klavan with just the one. Um, just one thing I'd like to point out, uh, sorry, Michael, is that it's very, very uncanny, but usually what happens on this quiz is whoever wins the quiz usually loses the football game, unfortunately. <laughs> Craig, to be honest, to... even if I lost the quiz, we probably would lose anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is the first time I've lost the quiz. I won it in the, on the Burnley podcast. And we oh, got, yeah. Craig, you know, to... Can we redo Next the time. quiz? Can we redo the quiz then? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, no, I don't know. I think, like I said, if I was, I know Hughes probably wouldn't take a draw. If I was offered a draw on Monday, I'd snap my hand off for it. But I'd be very surprised if, if Hughes don't score at least at least two goals or something, because I don't think we'd have the players to cope with you. Hopefully we do, but we'll see. Burnley's more important, put it that way. Yeah, it's one of those. Beat the teams around you for Sunderland. These games just are bonus games, you know, if you can pick up a point. But I think you, it, want to, you want to beat the teams around you, don't I you? I mean, knowing our luck, if, I mean, I'd say if we get four points out of the next two, I'd take that. But knowing our luck, we'd probably draw at Burnley in Liverpool. And I say that because I've, I've gone to away games and I've never seen us win. Like, I've, I haven't been into football that long, actually. I've only been into it for a few years. So, um, but, so every time I've been away from the league, it's either been a draw or a defeat. I've never seen us win. So I'm hopeful for that. Like, we'll see. Mm. But anyway, no, I mean, if, if, I, if we got anything on Monday, I would, I would snap your hand off for a point. But... Well, we'll see, but I don't know. But hopefully, you hope a good luck to you guys against City anyway tomorrow. That's going to be a huge one for you. Yeah. Massive game. 
Yeah, just before we uh, we finish off with a little bit of a chat at the end of the show, lads. Well, so the song I'm going to play for you tonight is from a band from the St. Helens area of Merseyside. They are called the Bathtub Gym Band. Song I'm going to play for you tonight is called Ain't Worth Fighting For. So if you can follow these guys on Twitter, they can be found on at Bathtub Band. It's a quirky little track. I had a little listen to it before. They've been in touch with me on Twitter. Get a chance to have a little listen to a few of their, their songs if you can. So the song I'm going to play for you tonight is called Ain't Worth Fighting For by Bathtub Gym Band. down my ego a bitter blow now you've left a stain there like pissing snow and what they mean is you don't know because you ain't worth fighting Mexico, they've drawn a line there that's guilt in gold. It could be worth a fortune, but you just wouldn't know because you ain't worth fighting for. Come by to see me. Come and say hello And we could use the time there Just laying low And what they mean is oh, Honey, you can know Because you ain't Worth fighting for North of the navel To South Mexico They've drawn a line there That's guilt in gold It could be worth a fortune but you just wouldn't know Because you ain't Worth fighting for Northern and Abel To South Mexico They've drawn a line there That's guilt in gold It could be worth a fortune But you just wouldn't know Because you ain't Come by to see me Come and say hello And we could use the time there Just laying low What they mean is As if you don't know Is that you ain't Worth fighting for Right, okay, so That's our preview of the Sunderland game All done with Michael Bowers and Craig Hegarty Thanks to you two lads for joining me on the on the Cop Table podcast. Very good show, that lads really enjoyed it. Thanks very much, Pete. Thank you for having me. It was great. Excellent stuff, lads. Yeah, and uh, get you on. Hopefully, fingers crossed, you guys will stay up and we'll get you on in the uh, podcast next year. Um, Michael, fingers crossed. I think Mo- I will say the last thing I will say. I do think Moyes is a good is a manager long term to turn us to turn it round. And even if we go down this season, stick with him. But hopefully, fingers crossed. And I know you's. 
hope otherwise, I hope Rafa cocks up at Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get a dig in there, but either I'll be surprised if they don't come up. But yeah, hopefully we stay up. Excellent. Enjoy the game on um, on Monday then, Michael. And thanks, Craig, for coming on the show. We will get you back on um, once again throughout the season, if you don't mind. Thanks very much, Pete. Cheers. You're very welcome. All the so best, Michael. Thank you. Thanks, lads. Cheers. So that's the Cop Table podcast preview of the Sunderland game. We'll be back after the international break. So thanks very much to everybody who's listening and goodbye. Songs to sing of the glory. Of the glory.